Welcome to episode 297 of Live Happy Now. Today, we're going to talk about something that all of us have, but not all of us know how to use. And no, I'm not talking about your television remote. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week we're looking at creativity. We're being joined by Doug Patton, a renowned industrial designer who was featured on ABC's American Inventor television series and has created more than 300 products in 20 international market categories. His new book, Conquering the Chaos of Creativity, is a map to help you find your own creative process. He's here to talk about the connection between creativity and happiness and help each of us learn to find our own creative superpowers. Doug, welcome to Live Happy Now. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you've covered creativity in a way. It's almost like a textbook, except it's really interesting because you have really covered it in, in every aspect. And I wondered, first of all, what made you realize the role that creativity plays, not just in your life, but for everyone? It's always seemed my destiny since a little kid that I would pursue new ideas. And in that process, you must be strong because as you you think of new new ideas society resists change and you have to be not only i look at at it kind of like a yin and yang theory of creativity that it's the internal and external you have to have internal processes psychologically and spiritually to enable your your creativity and your happiness and your passion. But you also, on the other side of yin and yang, you have to have an external process, a, a capability to implement them in the world. And that process, that lifelong process, I've had my company for four decades, but as you have alluded to, this started for me very, very young. So at what point did you realize you had a book in you? Because as I mentioned, you cover it from so many different angles. How did that come about? And I started writing early in my career about ways to problem solve, but I never thought it was a book until I would give speeches and people would ask me, you know, how do you do what you do? And I would prepare, you know, a half hour speeches on creativity. And as it grew, I started noting it down until I had about, oh, about 30 or 40 chapters of looking into myself and say, Doug, how you've been doing this? And it's a hard introspective process, as everyone knows. To do something is one thing, but then to understand how to communicate it and teach it to others is another. So what I've been trying to do is, I think I've always felt destined to refine and record my problem-solving techniques to help others navigate. And the, the challenges of what I call the creative chaos is very, very strong. And I had a lot of problems on my creative journey from youth that I would get irretrievably lost, causing me to feel hopeless. But however, I'm hoping now that I can give tools and ways for people like me who have a passion to be creative to uh, not fall into the pitfalls I fell into and to, to chasten them and to help them. So the reason I wrote the book was to help people. And my whole reason now, even for this podcast and others, is to try to reach out to people who are having creative dilemmas, whether it be psychological or spiritual or analytical, and say, okay, here's my hand. I can help you. 
be happy, be more motivated, and in the process, enjoy life more. That's kind of why I did it. And that's why I wrote the book. And you explain really well in there about that connection of creativity and happiness. So can you explain to us a little bit here why using our creativity is really crucial to us really achieving happiness? What people don't seem to understand sometimes is that the the problem-solving process is not just analytical. It's just a small part of it. It involves your whole mind, body, and spirit when you have an issue. Everyone knows that. And sometimes our society says that when you're low key and you don't know where you want to go, it's you're being depressed. I have another idea for that. I think it's just a, a time to recharge. And I talk about that in my book under psychological creativity and inspirational creativity. I talk about how there are things that you can do to believe and free your mind so that you can be more powerful. And in all the processes that I talk about, spiritual creativity, and even, even to the point where there are techniques I've developed. And I call them tools of creativity. But what I really emotionally feel, they're weapons of creative survival. They are weapons that have been honed uh, over thousands of hours of creativity that I am now giving the readers to help them embark on their process. So I think what's real important is to accept that we all have problems. We all have challenges, but to accept those problems as opportunities to make life better and not to shrink from it, but to be empowered to navigate our world, which we all try to do, right? We're all trying to navigate our life and and come up with answers. And my book is something that is, again, a journey, not a destination. And I'm hoping that I've broken it down into six categories. So if you're feeling depressed, there's even a place where it's called pray for help, transform your desperation to success. Or if you're, if your failure is a problem, I think I call exhaustion, failure, and impossible dreams. Failure is impermanent. So I'm trying to reach everybody in every aspect of where they might be at and give a, a world for them to go into and just find what they need and help them. My goal is to help people become more creative, but in that process, accept that it is a totality of your mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> and you bring up a great point that I wanted to ask you about because you look at so many different types of creativity and the source of that. And I had never even thought about the different styles, if you will, of creativity. And how did you discover those different types? And can you tell us what they are? We are all capable of extraordinary things. And you must believe you can transform your struggles into opportunities for imaginative growth. And I really want everyone to realize that this process of doing that is uh, based upon what I call kind of the, the totality of creativity of that links us all. And as I mentioned, it is, if you put your mind, body, and spirit in the center, and then you think of analytical, psychological, inspiration, philosophical, spiritual, invention, and imagination, each of those areas I have about, I don't know, eight chapters on, on how you can use those to empower yourself. So that's your, that's like your map. That's like your train station or your airport, where you look at that and you think, 
where do I want to go? And you go into that zone of the book and you try to start discovering if this is what is vibing with you, this is what gives you information. But in my mind, it's an interconnected whole. This is, I actually think on all these levels and have integrated it into my process. My goal is that it, everyone finds their own process for creativity. And this is what the book is about, for you to create your own creative construct. You've given it, like, if you refer to it as a train station, yeah, you've given it different entry points and made it easy for maybe someone who's who hasn't thought of what they're doing as being creative, but they can really start looking at that differently and see how they can use creativity to solve the problems. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to encourage everyone uh, in the outset of the book to find a path that works for them. You know, you just browse through the chapter sections and titles and the many paths that represent the totality of a person, of their mind, soul, emotion, and spirit. And the principle is the heart and syntax of creativity and also the essence of, of the creative problem-solving process. So people are, are not just analytical minds. They need motivation. They need inspiration and understanding on how one's minds optimally overcomes challenges. And this book reflects those many I would call it human factors of problem solving. And it's a gift I'm trying to give to people to help them on their way to, you know, ultimately becoming more happy, more empowered, and uh, kind of like uh, there's a chapter in the book called like, Creative Caffeine, a way to wake you up and to look around. And I'm hoping that, that it helps people. And like I say, I'm kind of giving... I like a little addendums of the book, but there's many, many aspects of this that people can explore and, and hopefully find what they need. Yeah. And one of the things that I really enjoyed, because this is something I use, and that's exercise. But people might be surprised to think of exercise playing a role in creativity. So I wondered if you could explain why it's so important and what it does for our creativity when we exercise. Yeah, I have two chapters in the book. One is exercise problem solving and also meditative problem solving that is, is a part of that. And, you know, there's much more than we are aware of that inspires our soul and empowers our creativity. And, and whenever you create, it should be your goal to go beyond yourself and get in touch with kind of the ethereal sense of imagination and one of the things that I found is that when I hit a roadblock is to break free of the boundaries and so forth and so on, just by exercising, they can elevate one's creativity. And the link between exercise and creativity is well-documented that, you know, blood flows through your brain. You have more, more energy to think. There are studies from the University of British Columbia that they found aerobic exercise enlarges the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain involved in verbal memory and learning. And it's linked to creative processes. So when you jog, when you run or jog, it is a great way to enhance your cognition and you know, you're getting more oxygen into your brain. And it's just, it's just something that is a, a wonderful process. And all I can say right now is that exercise and running for me, what I do is I just go for a long run and it puts you kind of in a new like uh, thought process. So 
anything you can do to get yourself into a different modality is wonderful. And even with what I call meditation problem solving, early on when I was in college, I was having problems and I had the luck of studying meditation with Swami Mukhtananda, who is well known, one of the most famous people. This is kind of during the hippie era when I grew up. And I've transformed some of the things that I learned, uh, Natha Yoga, into also allowing my, my mind to work. So again, I've tried to approach this problem-solving process from many different aspects. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit more about the exercise. Is there a certain type of exercise? I mean, you talk about running or jogging, which not everyone loves. So does it matter what kind of exercise you're doing or you know, is yoga going to be just as effective as taking a walk or how, how does that work? Well, for me, everyone has to find their own path, right? And I think it's something that's repetitive. It doesn't really matter what exercise, but I think it has to be kind of repetitive, not something that is stressing you out, like, like walking, uh, swimming, uh, running. It could be other things as well, but something where you're not actually having to concentrate on, on your how do I say it, athletic skills, but something that, that just kind of puts you into a different zone when, when you do it. So it, like I say, one of those, those exercises, everyone can walk, but you know, for others, it could, anything you're really feeling comfortable with. And then you think about your problem while you're doing it. And it gives you another way to look at, at where you're at. It boosts your mental, it basically uh, boosts your mental activity and like I say, it brings more oxygen to your brain. It gets your, the, the center of creativity is your hippocampus. And that gets, that gets all that moving. So I solve a lot of problems when I'm running and also when I'm meditating as well. Yeah. And so how does the meditation aspect of it work? Because a lot of us, you know, we're, a lot of people who listen to the, the podcast, we try mind, practice mindfulness. I shouldn't say try. We practice mindfulness and meditation. How does that work? in the yeah. problem solving. Well, with Muktananda, when I was very lucky to study with him, uh, there's two versions of yoga, right? There's Hatha and Natha. Hatha is the body and Natha is the mind. And what I'm talking about is more of the Natha aspect. But what really what it's about is to think that we are all special and divine. We have a powerful force in us capable of transcending our known human capacity. And with meditation, you kind of go beyond your cultural and linguistic processes, and you can get beyond uh, your normal thought process. And it teaches you to be aware of all aspects of a problem or solution without worrying how to solve it. I remember one of the things that Muktananda told me is that it was a hard thing to learn. He says, when you have a problem... Don't worry about how you're going to put it into implementation. Just become aware of it. And that's oh, all you need. And I struggled with that. But I learned that he was trying to teach me something very important, that becoming aware, expanding your awareness is really what the, the Natha meditation is about. And I, I urge everyone, if they could find someone that teaches Natha yoga, to find a way to expand their awareness it's an incredibly valuable part of my, my problem-solving process. And what kind of results do people see when they really start intentionally exploring their creativity? You know, I, I, let, me, let me talk about that because this is really exciting. 
In my my years of invention and creativity, I, you know, I've worked with companies, the biggest companies in the world, and with them, a lot of people and organizations. And what always seems to happen is it's really exciting. Everyone from these companies that work with me start getting inspired. They're connecting with creativity and they're engaged in the process. And that always was a fascinating thing for me. I would always wonder when I first started my company, why would these people who had all these latent interests about creativity all of a sudden in working with me become so excited and become idealistic and be creative? And it is an environment that has to be, I think, taught. It's not taught in schools. And I think that's one of our biggest problems with our education system, that that imagination and creativity is innate in every person. And our society, our education system just doesn't not only teach it, they they eliminate it. They say you learn and then you 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 know you do everything in a box. There should be processes to get out of that box. And for me, I was destined to never fit into that. And I had my own path. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it is it is uh, contagious to see someone inspired and, and creative and you get involved in the process. It, it lights a fire, a spark. And that's what the book is about. There's so much that you've taught us with this book. And, and can you, to wrap it up, can you tell us how do our lives improve when we start tapping into that creativity and really create a basically a relationship with our creativity i would ask everyone to consider a journey to free your mind and imagine more than what you have to bravely travel to the depths of your creativity and try to reveal your truth and your greatest potential and i think that's a really great source to happiness That was Doug Patton talking to us about tapping into our creativity. To learn more about Doug, his book, Conquering the Chaos of Creativity, or to follow him online, visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.